just close your eyes where you're standing for a moment. I just want you to think back over the last week or month. Ponder the prevailing thoughts, perhaps, that you've had. I think there's a predominant wind that blows through each one of us. Sometimes the wind that blows through us is stormy and unpleasant. Maybe the flow of thought in your life this last little while has been turbulent, negative, just stormy. Or, by contrast, maybe you've had a wind that's been very still in the sense of gentle, just calm. You're in that spot where the wind blowing through your life at the moment is pretty quiet. Everything seems to have lined up. And there are moments in our lives when that happens. Pentecost Sunday is about a wind that came from somewhere that was unknown. A wind that, whilst forceful, is gentle. able to shift absolutely anything the wind of the spirit can just gently envelop us God's comfort, God's strength God's goodness God's abundance, God's bigness His magnificence is all blown into our understanding by the Holy Spirit Pentecost Sunday is a day we reflect upon the fact that the followers of Christ, seven weeks out from his resurrection, are still in Jerusalem praying together, scratching their heads, wondering what on earth happened and what are we going to do now? They made a good choice. They decided to pray. And as they were praying, it says in the book of Acts, sounded like a rushing wind they were inside a building it sounded like a wind blowing in the building I've never heard that except when the air conditioning is turned up but the presence of God came as a wind and then talks about what appeared to be Luke as he wrote the book of Acts was having a lot of trouble really deciding what that was it appeared like flames might have just been a bright light. It might have been wispy like a, like a flame in a, in a fire. And settled on the head of each person. You've got to think about specific things in the scripture. Why does it refer to the head? Not the arm, the foot, the knee. Tongues of fire could have sat under their feet. We could get us teaching that the Holy Spirit directs our path, our feet, 
but it's not. It specifically says that the tongues of fire settled on their heads. I'm convinced that one of the greatest battlefields in my life is in my mind. Jesus came as the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, so we'd be witnesses. His primary mechanism of revealing himself to the world today is you and me. And I know when I'm talking about me, I need that flame to rest on my head. I need him to change my language. I need him to change my thought life. I need him to change my priorities. I need him to change lots of things that are to do with how I think. Later on, Paul writes, he had an encounter with Jesus. He writes, be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Romans chapter 12. I'm not actually preaching this morning a Pentecostal, Pentecost Sunday message per se. I want to say this to you, it is a Pentecost message, because I'm hoping that it'll actually, like tongues of fire, settle on your head. It'll actually challenge each one of us to go, maybe I need to think about how I see everything I'm doing a little differently. As we get a revelation of how good God is, as we get an ongoing sense of his willingness to transform us, our witness becomes really obvious some people opt to go out and preach in the street hit, take the direct approach of presenting the gospel others think it's all about praying harder at the meal table with their unsafe family members none of those things are wrong they're, they're fine but I think my greatest witness to Christ is being Christ like welcoming people into my world speaking to strangers as if they matter because they do not looking down my nose at anybody race, colour, creed, religious persuasion gender identity, identity politics so easy to go judgmental I need the tongue, the flame of fire on my head I don't meet you, but I'm not looking for a... Some people say, let's just send revival, Lord. Send revival. I go, no, Lord, just send the Holy Spirit and transform me. You're relying on me. You're relying on each one of us here to get into the world and burn like the sun in front of people who don't know you. I can feel as I'm saying this, there's something just brewing here on the stage in the way of an anointing. It's like, oh God, send that tongue of fire on our church this morning. Lord, we don't want gold dust. Lord, we don't want manifestations that are weird in that sense. We just want our lives to be transformed by you visiting upon us. How have you come, Lord? You want to settle us tongues of fire, tongues of fire. Lord, if you want to settle on us just as a gentle embrace around our hearts this morning, Holy Spirit, come, breath of life, breathe on these slain that they may live in Jesus' name. Come Holy Spirit, transform us. Come Holy Spirit, move us. Come Holy Spirit, breathe on the church this morning, Lord, across the world. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord.
I just want you to go back to thinking about that pervading thought question I asked at the very beginning of this part of our meeting. Where's that sitting now? Because I believe, I'm believing with all my heart, even in this last few minutes, that a, a visitation from God, just, just one touch, just one moment in His presence, can shift a whole bunch of stuff. Prayer to praise, change me, O oh Lord. Don't don't change Julie. Don't change Steve Adcock. Don't don't change Elise. Change me. I've got no business praying for God to change you. Other than to say, God, I want you to become all that God wants you to become. But um, my ideas of what you should or shouldn't be will certainly not be God's. So, Lord, today, pray every one of us would be making choices right now to flourish in your presence. Let the breath of life come. Lord, I pray that this message this morning that's about provision would lift us up and help us to see how we can live more effectively for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless your neighbour. Tap them on the shoulder and sit down and say, you are a winner. Thank you, guys. Winner. Well. As I came to um, thinking about this message um, and having been away for as long as we were and seeing what we saw around different part of the world we've ever been before, I, I found myself sort of stumbling through a whole bunch of thoughts about, well, what? And I kind of let the cat out of the bag in some respects in that tithe message that one of the things that's really impacted me on these last five or six weeks away has been the, the horror of poverty and the fact that people live in very different sets of circumstances to us and what to do about that. What, what's the response? What is it that we can do? And what, what are we doing here thinking about our own provision? Are we even being godly to think that maybe there's more for me than I've already got? Because if I was to stop and think about what I've got compared to somebody living in the gutter in Los Angeles, I'm thinking, I really do not need anything more. In fact, what I've got, I should probably be <coughs> sending overseas or probably just down the hill into the city or into Mount Barker. Um, I'm sure we can find people in our own communities that are doing it tough. And I found myself thinking about this and about the fact that, again, I don't think it's accidental. I think the Spirit of God just kind of got a hold of that last few minutes. And I'm convinced that one of the things that needs to change in me more often than not, is the way I see things and the way I process what I think about what I see. Um, and so being transformed by the renewing of our mind from Romans chapter 12 is a phenomenally powerful scripture about the way to successfully navigate the inconsistencies of life, 
the unfairness of life, um, the seemingly hopelessness of certain circumstances as compared to those that are a lot more peaceable and peaceful. One of the ironies, we got off, uh, we went on a cruise uh, as part of our holiday in, in uh, Canada and up through Alaska and we got off this cruise ship in Vancouver and stepped off the, the, the boat onto the wharf into the downtown area of, of Vancouver. It's pretty ritzy. It's a great big five-star hotel on the dock and uh, I, we couldn't afford to stay there. It was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars a night. Um, it's just that kind of area. There's a marina, there's boats, there's all this stuff. And we bailed up this taxi driver and said, we want to go to, and we looked up online to find a laundromat. Had 10 days of washing to do, right? And we jumped into this cab with this Indian taxi driver and we said, this is the address we want to go to. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, I reckon I would have seen the colour drain from his face. Because <laughs> he probably was thinking, you've just got off a cruise ship and you want to go where? And we got out of the taxi at 415 Abbott Street, Vancouver. I can still remember the address. And literally stepped into homeless central Vancouver and drug sniffing. There's people snorting cocaine on the windowsill of a laundromat. Uh, there was excrement, dogs, people, you name it. There was just literally crap everywhere. And uh, <laughs> we went, oh my gosh. Uh, we didn't book him to come back. The worst thing about it, me being the brains trust that I am, decided we'd walk to the train station from there. How hard can it be? We walked through a Sunday morning swap meet for every homeless person in Canada, I think it was. It was like, whoa. But I, it's like, how do we? How do we wrestle what we've got and what we're doing with it, with that? And more recently, in Fiji. One of the things I've noticed about, and we didn't get to speak to anybody other than high and kind of like that in the Vancouver scenario there, but in Fiji because we're there doing something amongst the community that, that knows who we are. One thing I noticed is that poverty, to a large extent, hasn't got anything to do with happiness or vice versa. People in Fiji that have got nothing are happy as. You know, they're just laughing, they're joyful, their families are loving, parents are awesome, kids, kids run around, they've got smiles that are that'll just knock your boots off. They're just beautiful, beautiful people. And I think, well, happiness and materialisms, they're not connected. But I think in the West we have been lied to that they are connected. I think we, we have this propensity to think materialist stuff is going to make us happy. It's such an insidious thing. We don't see it until we go somewhere where it's clear that having nothing can still be a context where you can actually be full of life, joy, compassion, love. Fijians work hard. They work hard. Ironically, I'd say on the other hand, they're actually lazy. It's like if you say to do something, they'll work themselves to the bone, but um, then they'll sleep for three hours. But um, anyway, I digress. Um, Earlier this year, I preached a message out of Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. And as I was reflecting on what I wanted to say this morning, I found myself, and I've been mulling over this for probably five weeks, um, going back to verse 1 of Psalm 23. Just an amazing scripture. It's just a few words. 
Uh, the NIV rendition of it is this. I think I've said this to you before. When I was a kid, um, I didn't understand this scripture in the King James Version. It was like, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's like, it just because I was pretty, let's just say, not that good at English. I failed leaving English. So when it said, I shall not want, I'm thinking, but I do want God. Anyway, just, I digress. Um, so the NIV version of this is this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Anyone read that and go, yep, I agree with that. Give me a wave. A few people are going, yeah, okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So why do I want stuff? It's pretty, pretty brutal scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. So I found myself, well, what is this, this clamoring for more? More what? More recognition? More money? More opportunities? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And I found myself realizing and, and pondering, and I guess my first point this morning is this, that <clears throat> there's two things in this sentence which cannot be separated. It is, easy, it is easy to separate them. And what I want to say to you is this. If I'm in the zone of wanting more, this verse says to me, the Lord's not my shepherd. Let's just reverse it. If I've got a dissatisfaction in me, I don't mean a one that's, I mean a dissatisfaction that's debilitating. I don't mean a desire to advance myself, get a career, do that. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But if the mindset that I've got is gimme, 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 I've got to accumulate stuff. I've got to have more. If, I, if I'm living out of a paradigm that, well, I do lack, I would want to say to you that it was possible that I've lost connection. Say connection. I've lost connection with him. King David was a wealthy man. There's no doubt about that. So for him to write this, you go, well, it's pretty easy for him. He had everything he wanted. He did. He had everything he wanted. But there was a season when he didn't. There was a season when he was told he was going to be the king, but he had to wait years for it to happen. He had a season when he was the youngest son in the family, and his older brothers picked on him and, and ridiculed him when he came down to kill Goliath. He, but he had this mindset that he could write years later that the Lord's my shepherd. In other words... I follow God. I follow him. He leads me. God leads me. And when he does, I lack nothing. Now, the, pre the next verses that I preached out of earlier in the year explain how that works. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, etc. In the, the following verses. So, first point, everything about provision in your life and mine cannot be separated from connection with him. If there's an unholy dissatisfaction sitting in my heart today, I can guarantee at its root and where it's rooted into is not God. If I've got something that I'm called to do that is of God, that's a holy sense of I've got to pursue something. that I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that... Just that ingrained Western materialistic mindset that new iPhone comes out, I want a new one. 
What's wrong with the old one? Nothing. It's just a new model. And marketing companies and the, the whirlwind of the Western world, Apple, as one company, just as an example, continue to have their product launches every year. Well, they're expecting the prevailing culture of the West to go, my old phone actually just doesn't have the features of the new one, so I need a new one. Say new one. But I don't actually need it. I don't need the greatest and latest. But somehow, I've just been a little bit open with you, I've been infected by this materialistic disease. And the more I let that run unchecked in my life, the more I can guarantee you that the Lord is not my shepherd. And I want the Lord to be my shepherd. I want to be able to read that sentence and say it with integrity for both halves. The Lord's my shepherd. I lack nothing. Statement of fact. Statement of position. Statement of mindset. Statement of view of life. The Lord's my shepherd. I lack nothing. I'd love to think that the, the, the couple that we gave the house to in Latoka last week could stand in the veranda that we just saw a picture of and say, the Lord's my shepherd and I lack nothing. And say with integrity, have they got a house full of stuff like mine? Nope. They've got two cars parked in the driveway. They haven't got a driveway and they haven't got two cars. But they can stand with all integrity because it's not about what I've got, it's about what I think about what I've got. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I want to drag you this morning, maybe kicking and screaming, into this scripture. The Lord's my shepherd, I lack nothing. If you've had a voice of complaint this week, guess what? This verse is going to kick that out the window. The Lord's my shepherd, I lack nothing. I'm forgetting this. Is it helping somebody? Okay. <clears throat> Let's move on. The verse that you'll have heard me preach, talk about, is a key verse in my life. Is 2 Peter 1 verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I want you to say this little phrase after me, everything we need. How long has it since you've been able to say that to yourself? Honestly, I've got everything I need, so I don't need anything else. I lack nothing. Key to this verse is understanding where that comes from by his divine power. This is God at work in our lives. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter 8, talks about not forgetting that it's the Lord who gives us the ability to create wealth. Everything we've got is because of God's hand on our life. The people around us who don't know him and don't believe in him are living in the providence of a generous and loving, benevolent God. His goodness is overflowing from his children, us, to the rest of the world. Without his children on planet Earth, the rest of the place would be frightful. His goodness cascades over the creation, but it dwells in us. He dwells in you. Yeah. Pentecost Sunday is not about churches being Pentecostal. It's about you being a spirit-filled witness to Jesus Christ. And when we gather, we say, well, we're a Pentecostal church. Why? Because we believe in the power work of the Holy Spirit in lives. We believe today miracles still happen. Amen? 
We believe when we lay hands on people to receive the gift of tongues in this church, they can receive the gift of, of tongues, speak in tongues. Some people don't seem to always pick that up when they get prayed for, for reasons to me as a, an aging pastor, as a mystery. But, um, and other times people just kind of just get the gift of tongues, just like bang, it came and it's like, I don't even know what happened. I wasn't even looking for it. It's like God's goodness. He, he just wants us to be the sort of people who can offer to pray for our friends at work who are going through a rough patch and to see a miracle unfold. We want to pray for people that are sick that we come across and they miraculously get healed. And when it doesn't happen, when it doesn't work out the way we would like it to, we don't give up. We go, oh, well, maybe God's not into that anymore. No, God's just, God's got a different plan and purpose for that circumstance that maybe we can see. But where people are filled with the Holy Spirit and we believe in the goodness of God, right? We're excited about being Christ followers, right? Or are you still a grumpy old grumpy? It's like grumping through life. It's like, oh, grumpy. Grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Just ask Julie. I'm still grumpy, old grumpy. My kids joke that if I don't change my jeans sometimes, my own grandkids are going to call me grumpy grams like they called my dad. Um, so I'm not really grumpy. I didn't think I was that bad, but hang around me. I'm, I, you know, I can get a bit of a complaint on. I need the fire like you do. I forget to not be grumpy. You hearing me? I forget to not complain in the queue at the airport. It's kind of like, oh my gosh. It's like, it's like, or sitting at the restaurant for an hour and a half waiting for dinner to be served. It's just, it's just like, just want to go out there and tell the chef how to do his job or her job. It's like, don't you know how to make 20 meals at once? Get on with it. I can do that at home. I can just put the barbecue on. Whoosh, there it is. Anyway, I'm just saying. Um, Lord's my shepherd, I lack nothing. Oh, Lord, let me breathe that in. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Maybe meditate on that verse for a little bit this week. When you're looking at your power bill, contemplating, well, we've got some stuff we've got to do, school fees. How are we going to put food on the table this week? Oh, the car just blew up. That's $1,000 or $5,000. Like, sometimes you've got to look at bills like that. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, I'm not saying for one moment that you do that, get up from the table and don't pay your bill. Because God's going to take care of it. <laughs> it's on his tab. Now, that mindset is okay. But that's got to be converted to work. At some point, in the, it's like somehow you've got, to, you've got to work that out. You've got to be smart and savvy about how you manage the reality of that. But what I'm trying to convey is this. The way to get free from this stuff, locking us up, no matter how complicated our lot in life is, is to be able to actually close our eyes, sit in a comfortable seat, lie in our bed, I don't care where it is, but just let that verse, Psalm 23 verse 1, begin to cascade over that problem. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You might have to get a bit of attitude on the way you say that to that circumstance. Listen here, $5,000 motor vehicle repair bill. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. I got no idea how I'm going to pay this bill, but the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Somehow God miraculously does move with that wind when we start 
prophesying and speaking his word over our circumstance. Don't ever forget that you've got the power of the word in your mouth. So it's like, well, I know it. Just it's a memory verse. I'll memorize it. Don't send a memory to a problem. Send words. My God shall supply my need. You've got to get a whole repertoire of these scriptures and whack them out there when things are tough. Anyone say, yep, that's what I do. All right, let's move on. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not step, in, uh, step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, take or sit in the seat of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Say blessed. That's you and me, if. If we want, we don't do those things, but let's more importantly focus on what we can do. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. When we say scriptures like we just did from Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord's my shepherd, I lack nothing. That is meditating. That is ruminating. That is chewing over. That is driving a pole into the heart of the the sort of the bedrock of my life going, all right, this is going to become an anchor point. Next time a storm comes, next time a financial challenge comes, next time something happens that's going to blow, potentially blow me out of my orbit, I'm going to be rock solid because the Lord's my shepherd, I lack nothing. Do I need an anchor? I've got an anchor. Do I need strength? I've got strength. Do I need courage? I've got courage. Do I need money? I've got money. Do I need friends? I've got friends. Like, what is it? I lack nothing. Say nothing. nothing. That's everything, right? The whole kit and caboodle. We've got it. Because the Bible says we do. Oh, but my circumstances are screaming at me otherwise. Yes, yeah, so are mine. I can either capitulate to my circumstance or I can stand up, have strength of, and conviction about God's word being true and speak back to my circumstance and shift it. That person, reading on in Psalm verse, chapter 1, that person, which one? The one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. There's something about God's um, not easy to see provision just filtering down through the bedrock of my life. When we were in uh, the, the West Coast, America, we went and saw some redwood trees. Oh my gosh, those things are huge. They are massive. We saw one, we drove, we didn't drive our car through, it didn't knock the mirrors off, but it wasn't quite wide enough, but we walked through it. It's 2,400 years old. It was 400 years old when Jesus was born. It's a big tree. But you know it's got roots. It's got roots down below the ground, so a whole lot of it, 315 feet tall, I think it was. Um, a whole lot of roots down in the ground. It's got streams of living water that we can't see. It's got water flowing past these little, little roots, sustained it for 2,400 years. I'm just wondering whether you this morning are planted by streams of water like that. Because you can be. It's a choice. What are you going to spend your time thinking about? Well, this one's saying in verse 1, delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on his law day and night. Wow, okay. That person's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, 
and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Wow. And so there is an increase. Just because I'm saying I lack nothing doesn't mean there's not more. Shouldn't use a double negative. Can mean it does mean there is more. Because a fruitful tree is making stuff all by itself. Anyway, I digress. I've run out of time. I've got another point here that I, I might come back to that next time I'm preaching. Um, the priority, I'll finish with this thought, yep, which is what I want, where I started. The priority was buzzing around in my heart more than anything this year is that the number one priority for you or me is our connection with Jesus. If anything else has gone pear-shaped in your life, Fix the connection with Jesus first. Make sure that's intact. Make sure that that's working. One of the saddest things to watch is when people start to get out of sync and start making bad calls, start making stupid decisions, start finding themselves in a mess. Oftentimes the connection with Jesus has already been broken or certainly gets broken in the process. And the answer to their problem is not fixing the problem directly it's fixing that problem first. If you need to come back to him this morning, maybe you've got a lacking scenario in your life that's been bugging you. Don't look for more of what you don't have. Look for more of him. Let me say that again. Don't look for more of what you don't have, but look for more of him. You get to him, he'll get you this stuff sorted out or change your mind about it. Why don't we stand to our feet? I want to pray, I want to finish this morning asking you this question. Is he connected to you? Are you connected to him? Do you need to let this Psalm 23 verse 1 be a bit of a a litmus test for you when you consider your view about what you have and haven't got and what you've said about it lately? Is that a reflection upon how connected or otherwise you may be to him? Because he wants you and me to know that we can fix that. And when we fix that, everything else will take its place. Everything else will get its sense of where it belongs in your life. To the point that the thing that you want now or think you need now, the thing that you lack now, may be something that you never actually get because you no longer want it. But you've fixed it with him. So, as we close this morning, can I ask you to close your eyes again? Are you connected to Jesus? If you are a Christian here this morning, a Christ follower, you can be in a patch of your life where you've just let that connection slip. It's like kind of neglecting a good friendship. Kind of think, oh yeah, Jesus and I, we're we're pretty tight. But you actually haven't said anything to him for a long time. He hasn't said anything to you for a long time because you're not listening. Why don't you come back to him this morning? Some of you here this morning are a long, long way from him. You used to know him. You used to be pretty tight with Jesus, but not anymore. The lacking of stuff has somehow swamped the thought processes and complaints snuck in and doubts and fears Jesus doesn't go, well, away from me, you scoundrel. He says, why don't you come back to me? Why don't we make this good right here, right now? Why don't we get back together?
Why don't we make it, make it work again? So I'm asking you to come back to Christ this morning. If you've been a Christ follower at some point, you've got a long way off course, I'm going to ask you in a moment to put your hand up and say, I want to come back to Him this morning. But you might be in our meeting here this morning and you've never connected with Jesus. You've got stuff going on in your life like all of us here have. And the stuff doesn't make sense. Life seems to be pretty turbulent. Maybe something's been said in this meeting today that's helped you to connect the dots and go, the answer's Jesus. The answer's knowing Him. I've never prayed a prayer to invite Him into my life. I've never given my life to Him. But Pastor Bruce is talking right now and I'm asking you to listen up. Why don't you invite Jesus into your life? Why don't you say, I want to meet Him. I want to connect with Him. I want to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. That's what I want to be able to say. Well, you can when you invite Him into your life. If you've never invited Christ into your life or if at some point in the past you have, but you completely lost your way, you're disconnected, can I ask you to slip your hand up in either of those parts of the world? Give me a wave so I can see it. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Are there others who need to reconnect this morning? Connect with Him for the very first time. Just wait for one more moment. The tongues of the Holy Spirit, the fire, just come. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray this prayer together to close. Heavenly Father, standing in your presence, reaching out for Jesus. I believe he's your son. I believe he died on a cross to take all my sin and shame. Forgive me, Lord, for all my mistakes. Forgive me, Lord, for pulling away or being very distant. Right now, Lord, I move near and I ask you to come into my life. I give my life to you. I pray that my Pentecost is this morning. Your Spirit will come and rest on me. Your Spirit will fill me. Your Spirit will empower me to live for you so that I can consistently say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In Jesus' name, amen.